forgiveness and acceptance is critical. Like as you're learning about ADHD, one of the things that can happen is you start to get overwhelmed, which you're mentioning, right? Like, oh my God, there's all this stuff to learn. And also I'm seeing myself from this new lens and oh my God, now I know why I suck because I have ADHD, but I also am hyper aware of the fact that I suck in the areas that I suck in and everybody sucks in an area somewhere. It's just the way life is. But as you learn about it and you're putting that lens on the past 20 years of your life, it can become really intense. It can become a really incredible experience, good or bad. So tempering that with some compassion and some forgiveness, some self-compassion and some forgiveness and accepting the fact that ADHD is nothing if not a roller coaster and, and that what you want to do is make the dips less. Like you want to reduce the dips and help the highs go higher and also make the up and down a little less extreme. Those Those kinds of perspectives can help with what to do in terms of the first thing. Cause the first thing is, is awareness learning. The second thing is acceptance, the emotional forgiveness, compassion, and all that stuff. And then the third thing is the action. The third thing is what actually feels like you're doing something, but all that other stuff is doing things too. ADHD rewired episode 312. This is the podcast for those of us with really good intentions and a slightly wandering attention. I'm Eric Tivers. I'm a licensed clinical social worker by training and a coach by design. I'm your host and I have ADHD. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community. We are wired for connection and you are not alone. Go to ADHDrewired.com to learn how you can join us in our free secret Facebook group. Get additional resources for every episode, including links to any resources we mentioned on today's show. You can support us on Patreon, sign up for our email newsletter, you can request podcast postcards to distribute to your clients and support groups, and you can learn all about our intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups. You can do all of this at our website, ADHDrewired.com. We know that starting is the hardest part, so let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of ADHD Rewired. We have our February live Q&A today. If you're hearing this on the podcast, I know it's March right now. But this is what was recorded in February. And if you're catching this early enough in March and it's before 12.30 p.m. Central Time and you're like, I've always wanted to catch one of those live Q&As, there's still time. Go to ADHDrewired.com slash events and register and we'll see you in a couple hours. Um, but right now, for those of you who are here live, happy February. And we have Erica who has a question. She's going to kick it off. We are, as always, by the way, joined by Brendan Mahan. Hi. And who I never heard his voice that high before. So uh, <laughs> hello, Brendan Mahan. Uh, how are from, you? I'm good. Uh, how are you? I'm well. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we have Will Curb. Oh, hi, hi. Uh, these are the weirdest hellos I've ever heard. All right, uh, Erica, how are you? I'm I'm fine. I'm just going to say normally hello. Hello. Even it may sound like I'm in a cave. But. <laughs> All right. So tell us what your question is. Yeah. So. My question is, is how do you all um, kind of restore and revive in between like hard tasks or it's three o'clock and, you know, you're starting to get that frustration level or, you know, whatever it is that you've got a few minutes or maybe you don't, maybe it's just 30 seconds. How do you kind of, you know, 
get back to a place where you can, you know, have some clarity and some calmness in approaching the world and not, you know, kind of be overwhelmed by everything. Can I ask a quick follow-up question? Sure. Uh, you had stated in your question when it's around three o'clock. Sure. Do you have a sort of a, a fairly predictable time of day where you feel like your tank, your tank is empty? Well, that's interesting. Um, I would say noon. It is can be around hunger. It uh, can be around meds. Um, sometimes I think it is around like hydration and things like that. But, you know, so there there are some times I would say noon and three is is certainly and then, you know, early evening can be kind of a fog, but that's just general. Okay. Cause the, you know, the, the ones that are sort of the fairly predictable times mm-hmm. really just require setting up environmental cues um, and not like letting our body be our cue. Um, you know, for those of us who take <laughs> stimulant medication, hunger is not a reliable cue for when we should eat. Right. Like my, my body cues me when I haven't eaten by a headache. Right. Which is means I haven't eaten right. soon enough. So it may be like setting that, that alarm or having somebody that you're having planning on having lunch with. So you have that sort of accountability. Um, you know, the, the water, water is a huge, huge thing that, that it's amazing how sort of sluggish my brain will feel just by not drinking water. So, um, you know, as much as you can set up those, uh, those cues for the predictable stuff, right. um, that can be, that can be helpful. Um, in the events where it's, you're, um, not really sure like what's triggering the empty, empty tank. Um, do you have a list of things that you can think of that typically Mm -hmm. will restore you? Well, um, you know, I'd rather not have a donut and go to sleep. So yes, those are two things I can think of that, you know, but these are, you know, not, not good coping mechanisms. I think, um, sometimes it is sugar, you know, and it's sort of a calmness there, but you know, I am thinking more, you know, I don't know. I think the drinking and, and we've been talking about meditating and I'm hoping that maybe some breathing will, you know, will help that when, you know, now let me ask you this. So you just mentioned a couple of good things when you are, have that fuel take that is empty. Yeah. Are you able to come up with that list? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, sometimes there isn't a pause to recognize it, you know, um, to say, you know, you just feel like that's where you are and that's where you're going to be forever somehow. Um, but uh, I, I think I could probably build in, especially if, I mean, this is, this is good, good conversation because I think especially when I recognize it early enough in that I could say, look, I can try to, breathe or just step away or close my eyes or something before it gets to that point where there isn't much you can do. Are you typically in the same space when you're working? Uh, yes. Yes. Can you create a visible menu of recovery mm-hmm. activities? That's a great idea. Um, let's, uh, let's see what Brendan has to say. And before we, uh, let Brendan respond, um, I I don't typically look at the chat, but this is a worthwhile (laughs) comment to, uh, um, so, um, Alexis pointed out that, um, is, is it just me or does, uh, Brendan have a really big head? I mean, I don't, I don't think it's that big. It's, 
It gets heavy sometimes, but it's not anything I can't handle. I do a pretty good job of dealing with it most of the days. Okay, so um, our, our our daily dose of distraction here. Um, yeah, exactly. I, I think I, I think the comment maybe was just about the ratio of our faces on Zoom and not referring to your ego. Um, <laughs> All right. Making funny faces always is great for podcasts. So, Brendan, what do you have uh, thoughts on this one? Um, I do. I have a few thoughts. Okay. My first question, like I can mm. rattle off strategies all day, but I've got a mm. question first. How much time do you allow to transition between tasks? Mm. Mm. Interesting you say that. So I have recognized recently I do, in fact, need a little bit more time and that has helped, but you're exactly right. Um is to allow that time so that you're not throwing yourself into something. So yes, good question. Awesome. Yeah, that's great. And then breathing is good. Yeah. I find music is powerful for me. Interesting. Like, especially music from like middle school and high school (laughs) does the trick for me. Like if you've, you mean, if you've kind of gotten to that point of like, I, I can't even think of what to do. I need to, you know, I'm, yeah. out of, I'm out of gas. That's yeah. I'm out of gas or yeah. Or I just like, if I'm having trouble getting started or I find yeah. that my mood is a little bit down or something like that. Right. If I throw on music that I like, that I know is motivating to me. Yeah. Um, that works. Okay. I like that. And then there's just moving just like push up, hmm. sit ups, walking on a treadmill, jumping jacks, Yeah. whatever, whatever kind of movement you prefer. Okay. You can do that stuff in like three or four minutes. That's and at true. least get you going a little bit better. Right. Right. That's great. Will? Yeah. And to go along with that, yeah. Uh, if you have these like regular times, just schedule yourself to have that like five, 10 minute walk, you know, okay. before right. you're hitting empty. Yeah. Because um, also to go along with the uh, car analogy of having an empty tank. Right. We actually don't really want to hit that point. We want to try no. and start filling up our tank well in advance. So it's also important to make sure we're not overscheduling ourselves and uh, just thinking ahead to like, um, like on my to-do list, I have a little column that I have that tells me if a task is going to be uh, energizing, neutral or draining. Oh, wow. And uh, I know I can't fill my day with draining tasks. Wow. That's, that's really, that's really interesting. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, because you're right. Once you, once you get to the point, it's, it's super hard to come back from it, you know, and, and you, you know, I think that's a really good point is to schedule it in. All of these are really good. Yeah, those, um, are, those are good. Yeah. Really yeah. good. Thank you. And, you know, and, and also being mindful that part of why, um, you know, taking those breaks is hard because it's a transition yeah. and transitions yes. are hard when you have ADHD. <sighs> Right. That because it requires us activating our um, our task switching or attention switching network of our, mm-hmm. of our brain, um, which is one of the impaired attention networks of our brain. Um, so task switching is uh, really is challenging. And I think Will is, is really spot on by saying, you know, mm-hmm. try to do that thing before you are empty, because like it ta- you got to have a little bit of reserve, reserve. to do these the, take a break right and right. actually so it's a little bit of of energy that's expended to initiate the beginning of a break 
Yeah, that's great. All right. Uh, so Thank you was, so much, you guys. Yeah, I hope that was helpful. Very. All right. Um, let's find another question. Um, has, have any of you spotted one? I like Laura's. You like Laura's. Um, which is any tips for procrastinating? I'm sorry, I misspoke. Any tips for prioritizing? We Man. can give you lots of. We should do an episode about the best tips to procrastinate. Yeah. We should make it like a. An we April, should do it later. Though. We should episode. do it later. I don't want to. I don't think we should do it right now. All right. So tips for prioritizing. I like values. Knowing what I value, knowing why I value it, and then when I get stuck and I'm not sure what to do when or which thing matters more, I try to look at it through the lens of those values to help me figure out where to slot it. And sometimes that's a little bit tricky because sometimes it's a thing that I don't have any value for, but it because my boss wants me to do it, right? But then I'm like, yeah, but I value like the health of my family. And if I get fired, then my family won't be healthy. So that is a way to like find the value in the thing. So that's, a, that's sort of a uh, fear-based uh, approach. That's a little though. bit fear-based, yeah, but sometimes that's where I got to go. Mm-hmm. And other times it's like integrity. I got a kind of a strong integrity thing going on for me. Okay. So sometimes I'm like, I said I would do that, so I'm doing it even if I don't want to because my integrity matters to me. Will, do you want to, because uh, I, I have a lot to say on, on this topic, yeah. but go ahead. Well, um, yeah, one of the things uh, I've always found is just what's going to knock down the domino so I can start the next steps. Mm-hmm. Um, so prioritizing is a lot about looking at starting with thing. What's the big picture? Where do I want to go? What are the steps to get there? Um, which is just with like what Brendan was saying was like, you've got what you have to figure out what project you're working on based on your values. And then subset of that going into what are the things that are going to get me to the next step? Cause you can only do one step at a time. We don't want to be like, trying to jump five steps at a time because we're going to fall down the stairs. Right. So, or we get overwhelmed or um, we just avoid it because it's overwhelming. So we're doing other stuff uh, and, and sort of substituting actual productivity for busyness. Um, you know, in, so in our, our coaching groups, um, I have a book that I require our members to read. Uh, it's called the one thing. And, um, uh, the the idea behind uh, this book is when we can identify that first domino, as Will was referring to, um, it can knock over not just the next domino, but it can knock over a domino that's 50% bigger than the previous domino. And that one can knock over a domino that's 50% bigger than the previous. And I think by, in the, in the book, they talk about by the 18th, I think you hit the, uh, you can knock over the empire state building. Um, I think by the, like the hundredth, you can like, you're, you're not going to, you know, down the moon. Um, and so it's that, that idea of what is that one thing? So they, they use, it's called the focusing question. And it's the focusing question asks, what's the one thing you can do such by doing it? would make everything else easier or even unnecessary, right? And so we can look at that from our our sort of big sort of stuff. And I uh, think that in the sort of the big domains that my one thing always has to do with self-care. Because if I am not sleeping, that is the one thing that I could do that makes everything harder. If I'm not exercising, that is another thing that that 
you know, by not exercising is going to make, make everything harder. Right. So thinking about um, prioritizing self-care uh, for me is a really, really important, uh, important thing. Um, when I think it's really important to spend time really thinking through um, sort of your, your goals and even having some themes uh, for your year. And for I know a lot of people with ADHD, this is can feel a little scary, like what planning a year it is possible and it also is hard. Um, but I think when we have clarity on what really matters to us and we can keep that uh, the cue that reminder about what are uh, what really matters to us during this year, when we are then making decisions about what we are doing in a particular week, we want to first see, all right, what are my goals for the year? Right. And am I doing things that are connected to uh, those things? You know, often we start our days by putting out fires and we start our days by looking at other people's to do list, meaning our email inbox. Right. Which is not a real good way to get your goals uh, achieved. Right. So. We often err on the side of putting out fires. We put out fires that really don't need any of our attention. And if they do need our attention, they don't need it right now. Like they could wait an hour. So I think one of the things that we want to try to do is once we identify um, our priorities by looking at whether it's through, as Brendan said, or through values or um, doing some longer term planning, connecting um, uh, our, our daily and weekly stuff that we are doing to that lo- those longer term goals. Um, whether we are doing that, it's important that we have a, a really uh, visible cue because what it does is it helps us in the realm of decision making. Right. Because with, when you have ADHD, um, we don't prioritize based on what's actually most important. We prioritize based on proximity, whatever just caught our attention in that moment, no matter how irrelevant it actually is. Right. So we need to be able to have different frameworks for prioritizing. Um, so um, that's uh, I think that's all I got about that. I don't want to add to that. Another thought that I'm having is you also want to prioritize based on energy level, right? Like to circle back to our earlier question, because the most important thing might be more energy than you have. And it might be a better choice to do something that requires whatever your current energy level is and is likely to give you more energy and help you recover later. Like maybe I maybe I'm not up for writing a book at the moment, but I can knock out ten push-ups, and it's gonna suck because I barely have enough energy for that. But that'll at least wake me up and get me going, make me feel like I accomplished something, and then I can lead into the book. And then that's a that's like prioritizing a small thing, that smaller domino, so that you can knock over the bigger thing. Yeah, and and it takes practice, and we're we're not gonna get it right all the time. Right. And um, there's a quote by um, I, th- I think it's a, a David Allen quote that says uh, you can do anything, but you can't do everything, at least not right now. Right. <laughs> so it's like you can have these 10 big things that you really want to do and you can do all of them. 
but you have to pick one to focus on and everything else you are going to defer. Right. And so it's, um, I think part of the challenge that people have is they're afraid that they're going to miss out on something, but a really good way of missing out on stuff is trying to do everything Mm -hmm. because it's hard to really enjoy life when you're constantly anxious and overwhelmed. Alan Brown uses the metaphor of if you have five soccer balls on one side of the soccer field and you have to kick a goal in the other side of the soccer field and you only get five kicks, you better kick one five times. You don't want to kick all <laughs> five great. of them once. I like that. Yeah. I haven't heard that one. All right. Um, there was a, a clarification question, I think it was, uh, from our original question. Allison asked, is the, quote, tank being empty uh, what people mean by, quote, brain fog? Um I don't think so. Um, you know, brain fog is, well, I would describe brain fog as a thing that I didn't realize that I was having until I started taking medication. Um, and it was like, oh, clarity. I didn't know what this looked like. Um, it could also come from, um, kind of beating up your body. Um, you know, I know times where I've gone to like, gone to concerts or out partying for the weekend and I'm like damn it I'm not 18 anymore and then like my next two days I'm like in total brain fog um so um I know there's also brain fog associated with fibromyalgia um um it's also it can be an early warning sign for an empty tank it's mm, like brain fog is not an empty tank yeah it's not an empty tank but it's an emptying tank like you're in the process of getting down to the lower levels of fuel and stress. Will, what do you got? Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of like just running into lower gear. Uh, you're like, not even because you need the more more torque, just because you can't get going any faster. Yeah, and lack of sleep also. I mean, if I don't sleep well, like my brain's pretty foggy and there's no amount of uh, Detrana or whatever your uh, um, Deus or Adderall, whatever your stimulant of choice is, there's no amount of that stimulant that can make up for not sleeping. Like that's just, you're going to be just focused on how freaking tired you are. With that, let's take a break. We will be right back. Our spring registration events for ADHD Rewired's 20th season of coaching and accountability groups are now over. But as of Friday, March 6th, at this very moment while I'm recording this ad, we still have three spots available in our second section, which is uh, starts at 12 p.m. Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern. Section one is completely full. Thank you for everyone who signed up and I can't wait to work with you. If you didn't sign up and you're kicking yourself, having that regret, maybe a little FOMO, thinking that it would have been good if we would have registered for registration, it is not too late, hopefully. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more and uh, fill out the form there. We might have a button up there by that point to find out how you can snag one of those last few spots or possibly get on our wait list. Go to coachingrewired.com to learn more. If you knew that the spring wasn't going to be your time, but you are interested in our summer section, we have already updated our button. It is now a blue button at coachingrewired.com and uh let us know that you're interested in joining us this summer. If uh, you need to talk to someone, uh, you can 
get a hold of us at 850-REWIRED. That's 850-REWIRED. You will reach Barb, my wonderful executive assistant, who will be happy to help you with the next steps. So go to coachingrewired.com to be added to our summer coaching session list or to possibly join us for this season, our spring season of coaching and accountability groups. There might still be a chance that you can join us this spring. Check the website. You can click the waitlist button to possibly join us or get added to our waitlist. Check the website. The website one more time is coachingrewired.com. That's coachingrewired.com. Support for this podcast comes from patrons over at patreon.com slash ADHD rewired. And we have two new members to welcome this week. Teresa S. at the $5 a month level. You'll get access to webinars and some additional content. Maria R. at the $10 a month level, who has access to audio recordings from our monthly coaching sessions. Thank you so much for becoming patrons. For those of you who give at the $25 a month level, you can join us for our monthly coaching call. Our next group coaching call will be on Tuesday, March 24th at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. I am so grateful for every patron who gives what they can. And if you're not in a place to give, you can support the podcast in a non-monetary way. Share it with someone you know or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app that supports reviews. Also, if you're brand new to the podcast, I want to welcome you and I appreciate you listening. Hopefully, you will find a lot of value out of the podcast and want to become a patron as well. To become a patron, go to ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. That's ADHDrewired.com slash Patreon. And thanks. We are back, and our next question that was uh, in our Q&A box is by Deborah, and uh, Deborah asked, can you talk a little bit about comorbidities with ADHD, inattentive type, uh, anxiety, depression, approximate percentages of each? Um, Okay, so with comorbidities around um, specific presentations, you know, there is a... uh, Looking at, I think, higher levels of anxiety with particularly inattention. Um, but we know, you know, there's sort of a, a, a general rule that ADHD often comes with friends and it's the friends names are anxiety, depression, um, and other things sort of like that. Um, so coexisting, uh, disorders are more of the rule than the exception. Um, so as far as approximate percentages of each, um, I think we're looking at, and I am not looking at any data at in front of me. So I'm, uh, I think you're looking at somewhere between like 30 to 50% co-occurring. I'm putting that with a big asterisk and a question mark and don't quote me on that. Um, because I'm not looking at the actual data. Um, I saw the word percentage and I was like, I'm a reader, not a math or I don't know. I got nothing. <laughs> right. So this is me just like, uh, acknowledging that I might be making a little bit of stuff up here right now. Um, so, um, I'm just, I'm owning that. Um, uh, but it's really common. It really, it really is common, especially, uh, the, um, late diagnosed, uh, ADHD, um, you're dealing with a lot more anxiety and depression as well, because it's like life's been so freaking hard. And why 
oh, this is why, because of ADHD. Well, by this point, anxiety and depression as uh, have already become good buddies. Right. Um, so it is, it is really common as far as, um, any like approaches to that. And one of the things that I think is important to, uh, to know is that when you have coexisting anxiety and or depression, um, and the anxiety and depression are in the uh, clinically severe, uh, range, treat the anxiety and or depression first. If the anxiety or depression are in the mild to moderate, treat the ADHD first. So I think it's a really important um, sort of treatment protocol to understand um, uh, when looking at at both of these uh, coexisting disorders. So uh, sorry I couldn't give you more like exact percentages. Um, I do know that it is a common thing. I mean, it's also common learning disabilities, dyslexia, um, um, and other related conditions. So. Um, all right, let's go to another question. Why don't we move down to the second one from Deborah? Okay. Which is about coping strategies for a 19-year-old in college and his time management. So 19-year-old college is kind of vague. Like that's really broad. There could be a lot going on there. But um, when it comes to time management for a kid who's 19 and is now in college, he's suddenly magically in charge of his schedule which was not happening when he was in school. Cause he would go to school at like 8am or whatever and come home at three and stuff happened. And he didn't need to use a calendar as much because he had that whole time blocked off and scheduled for him. But now he does need to use a calendar. He doesn't need to understand what he's doing with the schedule. So he's got to start putting things into a Google calendar, a paper calendar, whatever makes sense. Electronic calendars are better by and large. And he's got to start figuring out, what he's going to do with that time. Like if, if you've got a class at 9am and another class at 11, you should stay on campus. You should stay in the dorm. Don't go, or you should stay in like where the classes take place. Don't go back to your dorm room and oh, I've got like 45 minutes. Cause that's a terrible plan. Just study for 45 minutes where you are. So I, I was diagnosed at, at right at that age at 19 uh, when I was in college. Uh, so I, um, I learned a lot of things of what not to do. Um, uh, including, you know, the, you know, my, my, uh, for those of you who don't know my story, I'll do it real quick. Uh, first semester, I got a 2.2 GPA, um, partially probably due to opening more beers than books. Um, then second semester, I actually found the library and opened those books and actually studied and, um, and I got a 1.8. And what I realized was that I didn't know how to retain information and I didn't know how to plan for longer papers and assignments. So looking at um, what, so if as 19 years old, most 19 year olds um, would not say that they are morning people. Um, some maybe. Um, so I, for most of my college uh, uh, career, I did not have any classes before like 2 p.m., which was great, um, except for the one semester I had to take English 101, and it was a 9 a.m. And this teacher would you if you were uh, if you missed a class, if you were getting an A, you're now getting a B. If you missed another one, you're now getting a C. So there was like a full letter doc if you miss a class, and I ha- and I was working as a um, uh, I was hosting an open mic. 
and they paid me in beer, which was just lost on me because I had to be up early that next day. Um, so I would suggest not getting a job like that if you have to <laughs> a 9 a.m. class. Um, looking at, uh, do you do better with a, lo- like a long, uh, a three hour class once a week or a, a three hour class that's one hour, three times a week. Um, I would also say depending on, and everyone's different. Um, I learned that I could not handle more than 12 uh, credit hours a semester. Um, that was absolutely pushing me to the max. Um, so even though maybe taking 15 or 18 economically is, you know, cheaper, um, you know, it's, it's important that you're able to, to recognize what those, uh, uh, strategies are. Um, also I would recommend for any college student or anyone doing adult learning, the book, uh, uh, make it stick. The science of learning is such an important, uh, resource because most, most students, especially with ADHD, when they say they're studying, they are not studying. They are reviewing. And this is a completely different thing. Reading your notes and rereading your chapter, that is not studying. Right? You got to regurgitate and do spaced, uh, spaced practice and ways to, to cue your memory. Um, so there's so much to do. And, and, you know, if, as a college student, it's not just about time management. It's about self management. And when all your friends are going out to the, the bars and, and partying and you got that paper that you got to work on, like that's hard. Right. That is hard. So there's a lot, a lot there. Um, so make sure they know where the, the, the disability office uh, is that, so they can get, uh, um, accommodations. All right. Let's, uh, do anything quick to add to that or should we move to the next question? Uh, just that, uh, accountability groups yeah. are great for that. If yeah. you're going to meet someone to study, you're more likely to actually study during that time. Like, okay, yeah, we're going to go meet at the library every day, you know, and have two hours where we actually do some work. It's going to be a lot more effective than just saying you're going to do it on your own. Yeah. Um, I like Sarah's question. If we can tackle that one. So Sarah, um, and I'm not sure if I were able to call in yet. Uh, any tips uh, for scheduling life stuff rather than work stuff, especially when I have a bad habit of staying late at work uh, when I am on a roll. Sarah, I could have written that question myself. Um, so yeah, so one, I think it's good to recognize that um, like sometimes we have these skills and that, and we are not applying them to different domains of life. Um, something that I realized just within the last year, I think, um, and it's almost embarrassing uh, to, to acknowledge this, but I didn't have any kind of task management system for home at all because I use Asana for stuff, but I don't look at my, my Asana, uh, my task management uh, stuff when I'm at home, right? Because I'm not in front of my computer when I am at home. So I... Um, I got this really cool piece of technology. It's white and shiny and you can use these markers on it and they just erase when you wipe your hand on it and it goes on the refrigerator. And so the stuff that I want to do at home goes there. Um, so that, that's one of the things that has helped me with, uh, scheduling sort of life stuff. Um, but as far as also like appointments, um, you know, I'm probably like most people listening, um, 
can't stand making phone calls, don't like the phone. Um, so I, if I have a phone call, I need to make it always goes on the calendar and I almost always tell somebody that I need to make that call, um, and ask them to check in with me to make sure I've made that call. Um, so I'll own what I want to procrastinate on, tell that person that thing, and then try to make the call and ask that someone asks me about it. Um, as far as, uh, the habit of, of working late when you're on a roll. Um, that's, you know, that's the hyper focus that you get sort of stuck into and it's hard to sort of shift out of that. Um, you know, accountability to, if you can have something arranged like ahead of time after work that you have to leave for, that can be really helpful. Um, also reframing can work a little bit with this, right? Depending on what you do for a living. If you're an entrepreneur, staying till 9 p.m. when you're planning to go home at 4.30, that's one thing because you work for yourself. But if you work for someone else and you're supposed to go home at 4.30 and you're staying till 9, for me, that's an easy like, do I want to continue working for free or do I want to go home? And Sarah's a teacher, right? I can tell you that. Okay. Okay. So as, as a former teacher, right, I've been there and I've done that. There were absolutely times when I had to get almost a little bit bitter, almost a little bit jaded around like, I'm going home. Like, you're not going to pay me more money if I do 16 hours as opposed to eight. Why would I work for half for free for half of the time that I'm here? Yeah. And that might mean that I had to come up with strategies to do things more efficiently. It might've meant I had to let go of some stuff, but that's the importance of setting healthy boundaries around what you're going to do with work and how much time you're going to allow that to take up is critical. And it's, it's all backend stuff. It's all stuff you have to do when you're not at work. Like well, on a weekend, one day, you got to really think this through and come up with some, some ideas around where you want to value those hours. There is a part of the question, uh, says, um, uh, in particular life stuff that is just for me living alone, not stuff with other people. So you know, so there's no one that's home waiting for you to, to come home. Um, if you ever order food and you have a, a service in your area, like say Grubhub, you can order that ahead of time and have a scheduled for delivery, say at six o'clock at home. So now you have dinner that's going to be waiting for you, uh, at home. Um, so like that's one way to use sort of a, a sense of accountability. Um, you can ask another, uh, uh, coworker to say, Hey, will you come by my, my office or by my room, uh, before you leave? Um, I'd like to walk out with you. Um, so that's another sort of thing you can, uh, you can do. Um, cause, when we don't have those boundaries and those hard limits, it's easy to, to have that to spill over. And uh, Brendan, you know, you said something about like, well, if you're, you're an entrepreneur, like it's one thing. And I would, so I would take a little bit of issue with that, right? Because because I am absolutely the person that has been at the office at nine fifteen, mm-hmm. at like one fifteen in the morning, like just totally just stuck in hyper focus, yeah. um, and. So I think if you are in the beginning phases of building a business, right? And so you have to define for yourself what the beginning phases are. Is that your first year? Is that your first three years? Is that your first five years? I think after the first five years, like you you can't call out your beginning phase anymore, right? If you are still doing that after the first five years, then you're doing something wrong. Right. 
the only reason I said that was because I was going straight to my boss is not paying me for these hours. Right. And if you work for yourself, that logic doesn't work because right. you are your boss and yeah, you're not getting paid for those hours, but you can always outthink that and be like, but if I work these hours, I'll get more money eventually. And that ruins my entire boundary <laughs> setting indignancy. Yes. Um, that was, I was heading for. Well, but, but you are taking away from your future self. If you're not giving yourself to those boundaries, because you're going to burn out. So yes, right. Yeah. Picking future will picking future wills pocket. Uh, so I'm doing well now doesn't end up well in the long run. And I'm wondering if the, uh, the, the argument to that is, but I have, I'm a teacher, so I have a long summer vacation to re- recuperate. Um, which is actually why I went into school social work. Cause I'm like, I have, I have workaholic tendencies. I'll have a forced vacation. This will work. Except that I didn't like working in the school. So that didn't work. And I want to, I want to, poke around one real quick on this too. When you have no one to go home to, so you don't have that draw of like, Oh, I got to go see my wife, my kids, my dog, whoever. That's where a third place can come in handy. If you get a third place, a coffee shop, a gym, something that you go to at roughly the same time every day, every Wednesday, whatever it is, you're going to start to see the same people and they're going to notice when you're not there, which is what we want to have happen. So finding a third place that's useful for you to go to after work can help be that thing that you're going to where right now you might all, all you're doing potentially is going away. You're just leaving school, but you're not going to anything. You want to arrange it so that you're going to something to help you set those boundaries more effectively. Awesome. All right. Um, we have a question from, uh, Emma about uh, uh, hyper focus versus breaks on some issues around self care. And we are going to get to that question after the break. We will be right back. This week on Hacking Your ADHD, Will explores the surprising magic of setting a deadline. Check out Hacking Your ADHD with Will Curb this week and every Monday. Join Will as he explores ways that you can work with your ADHD brain to do more of the things that you want to do. Subscribe to these short, mindful ways to hack your ADHD. Go to hackingyouradhd.com for show notes and to subscribe to the podcast. And every Friday, you can check out ADHD Essentials, the podcast with Brendan Mahan. Brendan's guests are parents, educators, and experts focused on children with ADHD. Go to ADHDessentials.com to learn more. Both Hacking Your ADHD and ADHD Essentials are both part of the ADHD Rewired Podcast Network, available to everyone, everywhere you consume podcasts. And we are approaching another live Q&A on March 10th, which I think is today when this podcast comes out. If you haven't had a chance to join us yet for one of our live Q&As, I hope you can join us this time. It's always fun and enlightening to hear from our listeners and hear their questions. You might have a question that is answered on the show. So join me and the host of Hacking Your ADHD, Will Curb, and the host of ADHD Essentials, Brendan Mahan, every second Tuesday of the month at 10.30 a.m. Pacific, 1.30 p.m. Eastern for an hour of live Q&A. Registration is free at ADHDrewired.com slash events. That's ADHDrewired.com slash events. Our next live Q&A is Tuesday, March 10th at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. So if you're catching this early enough today, I hope to get to see you there. 
All right. We have uh, Emma who has a question for us. Emma, what's your question? So my question is around managing hyper-focus at work. So some context is that I've actually been taking some time off from work lately um, to attend to some mental health challenges that I've been having. And so I'm about to go back into work and while I've been taking time off, I've gotten a lot better at some different self-care practices and tracking my mood and taking breaks in my regular life. And so I'm just feeling unsure about how to manage taking breaks while at work. And specifically, if I do get wrapped up in a task that is engaging for me, whether to capitalize on hyper-focus to push through that or whether to be more strict about taking breaks. What for you has been the downside of hyperfocus? The downside is that I can just keep going and not realize that it's actually upping my anxiety. So I'll start to feel like the anxiety in my body. I'm not really like taking a deep breath. I'm not kind of coming up for air, literally or figuratively. Um, so that's the downside. Okay. Anything else? Um, no, I think that's the main thing. Just the, the, it's not good if I continue with it for too long. Um, in short bursts, I think it's fine, but it's the sustained hyper-focus for like, let's say more than an hour that doesn't work well for me. Okay. So I think some of this can be, um, sort of thought through by reframing even our understanding of, of focus versus hyper-focus, right? Like we want to capitalize on being focused, like that's a good thing, right? And we do that also by taking periodic breaks. You know, the idea of capitalizing on hyper-focus is, I think it's dangerous, Right. It's because not only will, um, you know, Emma, as you described for yourself, the, the anxiety, uh, increases, it also makes it harder to, uh, restore that, that executive function fuel tank. Right. So when we, um, could we, this is what we're doing. We are burning ourselves out. Um, and then it just, we feel fried. So, um, the only, um, there's one, sort of a, a context where I think that sort of going into the hyper-focused in a planned way um, can work. And it's with people who are doing creative projects, like musicians who are working on recording an album, um, uh, artists, uh, 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 people who are, are doing uh, work with film, like stuff that really requires that like, like completely like almost becoming a recluse to work on this, this project. But then you also need to plan a really significant recovery time, right? Because it's, you know, you're going hardcore for, uh, you know, a day or two on, on a project like that. And then you have a task list of other stuff the following day. Like, good luck. Right. So really understanding what the downsides to hyperfocus are. Um, some of the things that could be helpful to break yourself out of hyperfocus. Cause, you know, Let's say we set the, our, our, a timer or an alarm on your phone and your phone is right next to us. When we are in the trance of hyperfocus, we're going to hit stop and have no recollection of even doing it. Right. Yeah. Um, so taking a, an alarm and moving it so you actually have to get up 
Yeah. So one thing is I'm about to be sharing an office, which I've had a individual office for a while and I'm about to be sharing an office. So, um, that's the only downside I can see to the, that timer across the room thing is I don't want to drive my office mate crazy. Um, but I do see that that could also be a motivating factor. I'm seeing that in your face right now. (laughs) Excellent. You know, it's, it's engineering (laughs) some urgency. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, there, I used to use a strategy where I would set an alarm, uh, in the, my upstairs bathroom. And if that alarm went off, it would wake, you know, my, my wife and my son. Um, cause the idea was to get up there and get ready for bed before the alarm went off. Right. All right. So you can kind of use that and, uh, maybe you can meet, you know, maybe explain to your, the person you're sharing that, that office space <laughs> with, um, or even ask, hey, at this time, do you want to, do you want to go uh, uh, take a quick walk with me? Um, so you can use sort of uh, some accountability uh, and support that way. Yeah. Brendan? When you said that about the creative projects, I relate to that because when it happens most is I have a combination of like regular office work. So like emails and just normal stuff. But then I also have some graphic design projects that I work on. I do a little bit with our website. And those are the things that... I tend to notice it more getting kind of sucked into that, but then I have to go back to doing all the regular office tasks that are not that type of creative project afterwards. And so I think acknowledging that perhaps if I was just a graphic designer, that would work okay. But in that context, it's not the most helpful strategy is good to keep in mind. Brendan, go ahead. Also, um, this is the thing I've been thinking about lately that I need to research because I haven't. So let me start with, I don't know that I'm right about this. Um, but one of the things I've been thinking about is the difference between hyper-focus and flow. Where, Because they seem like the same thing to me, but I'm starting to try to find where they differ. And I kind of think of hyper-focus as like anxiety-fueled flow, where if you go into hyper-focus because you're anxious about the thing that you're doing and you need to get it done and there's pressure and all that stuff, that burns you out, right? That like wears down the executive functions. But if you just kind of slip into hyper-focus and you, or I'm sorry, if you just kind of slip into flow, that like super productive thing that looks a lot like hyper-focus, but doesn't seem to be as damaging, it's gentler. So one of the things I'm wondering about when it comes to hyper-focus is, the level of anxiety that you're navigating when it comes to productivity at work. Yeah. Um, I think that in the past it has been more anxiety fueled, so I can relate to what you're saying. Um, and I think more recently as I've been managing my anxiety a little bit better, I've had more of the experiences of it being more not with work, but with other things being more along the lines of low so it's that less, less intensity, um, in the experience, less intense anxiety in the experience. So, um, yeah, that would be interesting to track. I think they also flow. It's kind of like waves. They come and go very sort of naturally without resistance, uh, with hyper-focus. Like I know when I'm in hyper-focus, there is part of my internal dialogue that is saying it is time to stop. And then my brain just goes, I'm going to keep going. Right. And it's just like, so there's that like frustration where there's that the acknowledgement of it's basically it's break failure. 
right? It's like flow turns into hyper focus when you're trying to stop and can't. Mm-hmm. Will, any uh, additional thoughts on that one? Yeah, I definitely think uh, flow is more intentional than hyperfocus. Hyperfocus, you kind of fall into, whereas flow, you feel good about going into. And there's uh, just another thing I was thinking about, too, is uh, since you're, you are coming back and you're worried about keeping things up, just put some things in your calendar to be like, hey, how am I doing on my self-care routines like every couple of weeks nice. so that you are checking back and making sure that you're not falling into bad patterns? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. One of the things that, uh, has been encouraged, people have been encouraging me to do, which I find really annoying, but I'm trying to do it anyway, is the daily mood tracker. And so putting in there what things you've been doing and then how you're feeling. And I find it really irritating to do it every day, but I believe it, that it makes sense in the long run. Are you logging the irritation that you feel to uh, <laughs> document your mood? No, but I should be. <laughs> That's like a wicked ADHD thing, right? I'm doing a mood tracker, but it irritates me to do it. So I just write down that I'm irritated every day. <laughs> All right, we have uh, we have another question here that I want to uh, that I want to get to uh, from Princess. Um, Princess says, "If you are on the journey to manage your ADHD unmanaged for 20 years, uh, what would be the first thing that you suggest to tackle? I know right now everything I hear resonates with me and it's overwhelming to begin or I have monkey mind for everything. All right. Um, really, really good question. Um, with ADHD, learning as much as you can about it is the first thing to do. Um, because this is a disorder that information helps, right? It's not like, you know, diabetes, where it's like you can learn all you want about diabetes. That's not really going to help the diabetes, right? But learning about ADHD and how it operates, like that's going to help you um, uh, in, in so many different ways. Because it's, you know, for one, you're going to realize that all the things that maybe you viewed as character deficits are not character deficits that it's brain wiring um and that you're not alone so i would say learn as much as you can connect with community um because it's one thing to read books and to listen to podcasts to because i think that gives you the intellectual knowing you're not alone but really try to find communities uh, whether it's online or locally in your your area where you can actually talk with other people uh who are are living with ADHD as well i think that is such an important part of uh of living well uh with with ADHD um looking at a, an evaluation for medication um would be probably the next thing i would uh i would look at um and then it's about looking at you know strategies like you know how to use a calendar and a task management list. Um, identify what are what are the pain points, right? And kind of start plugging away, kind of one at a time, and uh, have a lot of self compassion for yourself because you know there's, there's a lot of slipping that happens when you're managing ADHD. Um, and this is you know, so you said I'm managed for 20 years. Well, I've been managing it for 20 years, and I slip all the time. And you have to have a lot of self-compassion. Um, you know, it's, it's to be able to say, all right, well, it, you know, as Brendan would say, ADHD won that one. Right. All right. And that happens sometimes. And if we beat ourselves, like beating ourselves up doesn't work. Right. All it does is it, make, it makes us feel bad and which doesn't really motivate change. Yeah. Forgiveness and acceptance is critical. Yeah. 
Like as you're learning about ADHD, one of the things that can happen is you start to get overwhelmed, which you're mentioning, right? Like, oh my God, there's all this stuff to learn. And also I'm seeing myself from this new lens and oh my God, now I know why I suck because I have ADHD, but I also am hyper aware of the fact that I suck in the areas that I suck in and everybody sucks in an area somewhere. It's just the way life is. But as you learn about it and you're putting that lens on the past 20 years of your life, it can become really intense. It can become a really incredible experience, good or bad. So tempering that with some compassion and some forgiveness, some self-compassion and some forgiveness and accepting the fact that ADHD is nothing if not a roller coaster and, and that what you want to do is make the dips less. Like you want to reduce the dips and help the highs go higher and also make the up and down a little less extreme. Those Those kinds of perspectives can help with what to do in terms of the first thing. Cause the first thing is, is awareness learning. The second thing is acceptance, the emotional forgiveness, compassion, and all that stuff. And then the third thing is the action. The third thing is what actually feels like you're doing something, but all that other stuff is doing things too. Brendan, that was a really good answer. Thank you. <laughs> all right. It was like so linear and like really just, I, I'm impressed. It was good. It's like I've given a speech of that, <laughs> some version of that, like a hundred times or something. Carl, one, Carl one, will give an one, amen in the chat. <laughs> <laughs> one last thought is um, stop looking at the gap and start looking at the progress. Because mm. you're going to be tempted to just look at the gap of how far you want to go and how you're not there yet. And instead, look backwards and see how far you've come. So important. Hard to do, but so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think we have time if we are brief on our answer. I think we have time for one more. Um, all right, Flores. Uh, Flores, do you recommend to continue using medications in the weekend? Uh, currently, I'm taking weekends off. This seems to work fine for me so far, but maybe I am unaware of the downsides. Uh, so Flores, I know that, that you and I briefly talked uh, the other day about this. Um, and uh, I encourage you to come to the Q and a, cause we were out of time, uh, when he asked me the question. Um, so my, um, my perspective on this, and this is based on what, uh, some of the, the more recent research is showing is the importance of maintaining your, your, your dosage and each day, seven days a week. Right. Um, especially, especially if you are on any dose that is not an entry level dose, meaning, so let's say Adderall, Adderall starts at five milligrams, right? So let's say you start at five milligrams and that was great for the first few days and your doctor said, all right, so if you feel good from that, we'll take 10 and then you go up to 20 and then you find that, all right, like you, you do good at, at say 20 milligrams a day. So you're doing that, but you take the couple of days off. And then you come back a few days later to take 20 milligrams. And then you're going to wonder, why do I feel so anxious? Right? Cause that level is no longer the right level for you. So you're, it is, you are, you're basically sending your, the, uh, dopa, it's a hard word to say. Dopa, dopaminergic. Thank you. That sounded close to right. We'll just edit it in. So it sounds like you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Dopagen- <laughs> dopaminergic it's amazing how often something I'll, I'll hear it in my brain it sounds right in my brain but then it does not come out of my mouth no matter how many times i try moving on that the receptors that 
deal with dopamine, um, th- those receptors, you're throwing them for like these crazy roller coasters if you are inconsistent with your, uh, with your medication. Um, there is also some, uh, uh, data that shows that by going on and off medication, you may actually shorten the lifespan that the medication may actually be effective for you. Um, cause we know that, that for, um, a good number of people that a medication will work wonderfully until it doesn't. Um, you know, we, and we don't really know why that is yet, but one of the, the, the thoughts, the, the theories that um, has been speculated is the inconsistent taking of that medication. Um, so, you know, it's like, well, I don't have anything going on. Well, that's, that's okay. You can still take the medication. I, I take the medication even when I'm sick, right? Cause I also will, it actually makes me feel worse if I don't take the medication if I'm sick. Um, Brendan, do you have any, uh, different thoughts or you don't take, you don't take consistent medication. No, I do. I do. Okay. Um, my, all, all that's happening in my head right now is, um, the, the song dope by Bell Biv DeVoe. And my brain is going that receptors dope. I'm allergic. And so (laughs) I don't think that, that I'm going to be helpful right now because I totally had an ADHD moment. It completely won, and I apologize. Thank you for sharing that one with us, though. <laughs> that was well worth it. <laughs> well, uh, one thing I've noticed because uh, I had a couple months ago where I had an insurance change and I was off my medication for like two weeks, and so I really got. It was first time in a long time that I got to be like observing myself off medication and being like oh, it takes me so much longer to just verbalize my thoughts to other people. Like I'd be having a conversation and I just pause while my thing. And I was like, oh, I don't want that to be, I'd like to be able to talk to people normally on the weekends and just think like properly over the course of the weekend. And I'm like, yeah, that would be, that's a total good reason to just be consistent and not stop my medication because there's just so many layers of what does my ADHD affect? Well, everything. So I probably still want to have that boost during the weekend. Mm. Include- I sometimes okay. in answer to this question, I sometimes say, well, yeah, I mean, I don't wear my glasses on the weekend. <laughs> and then people look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, uh-huh. Right. And so, and let's say like, I don't want to take the medication over the weekend. I have nothing planned. I'm just planning and sort of vegging around the house. And let's say something unexpected comes that really requires you to respond to, right? Like, are you going to be able to, like, you know, my, my biggest irrational fear is being stuck on a stranded, like desert island without my medication and then just being stuck there forever because I can't activate myself to, to figure out how to get off the island. Um, maybe that's what was up with Gilligan. So, um, that's when you got to be powered by enthusiasm, and hyperactivity, right? That's what that's about. But being able to have your brain ready to respond if needed, I think is also really important. So that's my, uh, my two cents on the importance of consistency around medication. Uh, there is a nuance to it. I know that there's been some people that have said that, it may be okay to reduce a dosage occasionally if you're finding that you're, you're maybe, uh, um, you're building a tolerance, uh, to it. But as always with medications, 
talk to your doctor and make sure that your doctor really knows ADHD. Um, it was one of the most common mistakes that doctors make when prescribing ADHD medication is they underdose the medication because they are afraid to, to prescribe higher doses because they don't actually know how to do it. So, which is unfortunate and frustrating, uh, but just be sort of mindful of that. Um, and if, if you're getting side effects, talk to your doctor, right? There's lots of different medications for ADHD that are out there. Um, you know, it, it often will take some trial and error uh, to get the right uh, medication at the right dose. Um, but it really can be a game changer when you get it right. So, all right, we are past the hour mark. So um, let's wrap this one up. Thank you, uh, Brendan. Thank you, Will. Thank you, everyone who submitted uh, questions here. Um, I am going to uh, stick around for a few to uh, to answer questions that we're going to post on Patreon. Um, so uh, if you were listening to this on the podcast and you want to hear more questions answered, um, become a patron and you can hear the rest of the questions that you're not going to hear right here on the podcast. Um, until then, we'll see you next month for our next live Q&A. Thank you. Thank you. This is Eric Tivers. Thank you for listening and congratulations for making it to the end. ADHD Rewired is more than just a podcast. We are a community focused on learning, growing, and connection. The website is ADHDrewired.com. You can find summaries and additional resources for each episode. You can apply to our free and secret Facebook community. You can learn more about ADHD Rewired's intensive online video-based coaching and accountability groups and sign up for my email newsletter to get exclusive content you won't get anywhere else. It's all at ADHDrewired.com. While you're there, click the Patreon button. If you're a regular listener and you're still listening to my voice, consider making a monthly contribution by becoming a patron through our Patreon page. If you are able to financially support my work, it would mean a lot. This show is free to listeners, but it is not free to produce. And patrons get really cool perks. You can follow me on Twitter at Eric Tibbers. You can like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash ADHD Rewired. If you're a coach, therapist, or related professional, connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash Eric Tibbers. You can also subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube. And you can subscribe to ADHD Rewired on YouTube and see select interviews and some other videos I've posted. Podcasts change lives. You can make a difference in someone's life by spreading the word about this podcast. Mention it in your online communities on Facebook, Twitter, Reddit, or wherever you hang out online. And be sure to share it with your friends and your family and your clients, as well as your coaches, therapists, and doctors. And if you're a coach, therapist, doctor, or ADHD support group leader, and you would like a pack of podcast postcards to hand out, you can request those at my website, ADHDrewired.com. And if you're a member of Chad or any other ADHD support group, please be sure to tell them about this podcast. You can even show them how to download it on their phone. You know, you might be the person that turns somebody on to a podcast for the very first time. And if you really love this episode, please consider hitting share on your podcast player. I'm only one person and I count on you to help me spread the message. 
One of the biggest things that you can do to support this podcast and to help other people discover it is to leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, on Stitcher, or any other podcast app that accepts ratings and reviews. And don't forget to hit subscribe on this podcast on your podcast app so new episodes are automatically pushed to your favorite podcast app. Looking for more ways to listen and learn? Get a free audiobook and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash ADHD Rewired. Not sure where to start? In no particular order. Check out Atomic Habits by James Clear, The Body Keeps Score by Bessel von der Kolk, 10% Happier, and Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. These are both by Dan Harris. Change Your Questions and Change Your Life by Marilee G. Adams. The One Thing by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Procrastinate on Purpose by Rory Vaden. The Four Tendencies by Gretchen Rubin. Do you have trouble asking for help? Listen to The Art of Asking by Amanda Palmer. It's one of the best produced audiobooks I've ever heard. If you're looking for something a little bit more, say, magical, I unexpectedly fell in love with the Harry Potter series. And I don't usually listen to those kinds of books. And I loved it. And of course, if you haven't yet boarded the Brene Brown bus yet, check out Brene Brown's books, starting with The Gifts of Imperfection, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, The Power of Vulnerability, and if you're an entrepreneur or a leader in any capacity, check out her 2018 book, Dare to Lead. And Brene still is my most wanted guest. So if you know Brene, you would be so kind to make that connection for me. I would be really, really grateful. You know who else I would like to have on the show? You. Click the podcast tab at ADHDrewired.com and then click the Be a Guest button at the top of that page and schedule a 15-minute pre-interview. This is Eric Tibbers reminding you to keep learning, keep growing, and keep connecting. Self-care is not selfish, and no matter what gets done or doesn't get done, at the end of the day, you are still enough. And no matter how hard it feels, we can do hard things. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next week.